0: Uh, I'm already laughing this morning with my next guest. As I mentioned, uh, he's been awarded an honorary doctorate for his outstanding contribution to the field of dementia, which is fantastic. And what makes it poignant um, is that uh, he was diagnosed, as I mentioned, just before the break with dementia in 2017 at just the age of 53. Good morning, Kevin Quaid. Delighted to meet you. Great to be here. Thank you so much for coming
1: in. You're, you're a busy man. Yeah, it's a busy time. It's a busy time of the year for advocacy work, believe it or not. I bet you. Um... It's become my life, I suppose, since I've been diagnosed.
0: So take me back, 53 years of age, just a year <laughs> off where I'm sitting right now. Um, so it, it really struck me. Uh, dementia is in my family. My mum has, is suffering from dementia okay. now. And we're just navigating it. So it's very personal to me as well, this story. Um, so what's it like? You're diagnosed with Lewy body
1: dementia. So just explain that to us. Um, I suppose if I, to, to start the story, we were in Australia and at the age of 50, a doctor came to my bedside. I was after being in hospital four or five times with pretty serious illnesses over the period of a year and a half. Viral meningitis, Bohr-Holm's disease, straight-nosed disease, had the blood flow, things like that. And one of the doctors was looking at not why I was there with that specific illness at the time, but why I was coming so often. He came to the side of my bed and he said to me, "When you go back to Ireland, will you get yourself checked out for early onset Parkinson's or Alzheimer's?" Mm-hmm. Now he said, "I could be a mile off here." And the only reason that it kind of struck a chord with me was because my uncle Dave, who I was very close to in America, he had passed away from Alzheimer's. So I came back to we came back to Ireland, went to my doctor, organised a trip to my neurologist, and I said, look, I'm fine. You know, there's no, there's no problem. And uh I went to, we came home in February. I went the following November. She did a lumbar puncture, came back that I had um Parkinson's. And I was being sent for scan after scan after scan. And I really didn't understand why. And then I was sent for, uh, scan called the death scan it's capital d small a capital t and that came back positive for louis by dementia but that day i didn't hear the word louis or i didn't hear the word body all i had was dementia and like so many poor people out there think dementia equals alzheimer's equals memory loss i don't fit the bill and i said you're mad i couldn't possibly have dementia and that is pretty much where my journey began so slowly but surely um, before you go on tell me what what were your symptoms up to that point i was beginning to have a lot of uh nightmares i was beginning to see things that i was wondering whether they were there or not i was questioning i was questioning myself a lot my spatial awareness was beginning to go from me you know, there was a lot of subtle things. Blood pressure problems. I had a lot of constipation. There was problems there. And there was an awful lot of small things which I later learned were red flags. Like, say, for argument's sake, if someone goes is going to the chemist constantly for different medications for constipation. I'm not saying everyone has constipation, has, blood pressure, has uh, dementia. They don't. But if... The medications aren't working. We need to start digging deeper. Okay. And it's the same with blood pressure. And I just we just noticed things weren't right. How did you
0: feel when did you feel aha, you've cracked it, you knew what was wrong, or did you were you did you was it the end of the road for you? How did you feel when you got the
1: diagnosis? Devastated. Devastated. Absolutely. Today, today I was diagnosed, it was devastated. My the only question I had was how long how long have I lived? To live. That was it. Wow. That was it. I didn't I didn't ask about treatments, I didn't just how long have I lived? What? That was how little I knew about Louis Body dementia.
0: What did the doctor say when you said that?
1: And I don't really know to be honest with you. We left in shock that day. I bet. And uh after maybe a week I got um I sent for information after the Louis Body Society in England and they sent me four or five four A4 pages, which didn't make great sense to me, to be honest with you. But my de- I, I, my GP then recommended that I meet a dementia advisor. Her name was Amy Murphy. I actually called her Angel Amy Murphy. <laughs> and Amy introduced me to the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Okay. And I said, but I don't have Alzheimer's. But the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland... They're such a wonderful organisation. They just are not dealing Alzheimer's. That's just the name. They deal in every type of dementia straight across the board. And it was there and then that my new life, my new life began. You call it a new life deal? It's a complete, I came to a crossroads that day. And if I turn left, I was going to continue with my old life. And if I turn right, my new life began. And I was up and down to my neurologist in Cork and keeping notes on him every six weeks, maybe every two months, and one of them asked me to write a book. And, you know, I kind of I, I don't take myself too serious. I said to the doctor, Now I said, hang on a second, I'm the <laughs> one with dementia and you're asking me to write a book. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Should we switch tables here? <laughs> and I wrote the first book called Louis Dementia Survival of Me. And the reason I did it was... He said, it's going to help us. You're, you're so young, you don't fit the criteria at that t- you know, time. Well, that's that what's
0: really struck me. We're the, we're the same generation. I'm mm-hmm. really struck by it because my mum, as I mentioned to you, is, is suffering from dementia. Uh, tell me, just to clear up, Lewy body dementia, what is that?
1: I suppose there's 400 different types of dementia is number one. Okay. There is no such thing as a diagnosis of dementia. There is no such thing as a diagnosis of a type of dementia. Now, there's going to be a lot of raised eyebrows this morning when that, after I'm making that statement.
0: Yeah, can you explain that?
1: You have to be told the type of dementia. You have to. It's imperative. Because let's compare it to cancer. If I went in in the morning and I was told I had cancer or I touched cancer, and it's because of my age, we'll see you later, we'll see you next week, we'll see you far. Yeah. That would not be accepted. It's the same with dementia. And if you think about it logically, right, if someone is given a diagnosis of dementia or a touch of dementia because of their age, would the same happen with cancer? No. They'd be told the type, the medication, there'd be a plan going forward. You know, is it due six weeks to live, due six years to live? You know, it's nothing, on you All it's more life. But at least you know, at least you know where you are with it. And that is where, like, right, I suffer nightmares. I suffer hallucinations. Um, the nightmares with Louis bio dementia can be very frightening. Um, I can wake up at night. I won't know my wife. I won't know where I am. But that has changed in the last four months, believe it or not. Why? I came across... Hidden hearing. Wow. I went to them, they tested my hearing. I got hearing aids, I actually have many. <laughs> you can you them, can't yeah. even see them. And um, with the last four months, I will still have nightmares, but when I wake at night, I now know where I am, I now know who I am. It might take me a little bit longer. That's so
0: interesting because you can hear the surrounding and it, it clears up the. Confusion quicker.
1: I think the biggest difference they have made is, and for people who've lived by dementia, they'll probably recognise this, that if you're in a very quiet room by day, and I mean there's no noise, the noise that's inside in your head will drive you insane. But because I have the hearing aids in, that noise is gone. (laughs) I remember, Jim, in Valancholic in Cork, he said to me, be sure now, he said, you have to put the hearing aids in every morning. And I can assure you, uh, the very first thing I do, and when you put them in, there's a little bit of music. So if you ever heard the expression music to my ears, <laughs> that's exactly. What, but the difference it has made to my life amazing, is amazing. And it all ties up with, it's amazing the way things come around. And we were, we were here in, I'm chair of the Irish Dementia Working Group for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. You're so man. <laughs> like... And I'm with the Dementia Research Advisory Team as well. And we were in Dublin um, yesterday. But during a recent trip to a conference in Helsinki, we had a poster there. And on the, on, on the poster, the recommendation was say, if I get diagnosed today, not necessarily the neurologist, but the neurologist receptionist will ring up in a week's time and say, Can I speak to Kevin? Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? You got a diagnosis a week ago or 10 days ago. How are you feeling? And if I'm feeling okay with it, you it right, No. do you know what we're going to do? We'll get your hearing checked. We'll get your eyesight checked. We'll get your blood checked. We'll form a complete picture and we can take it from there. And if I can just take a step back for one second, if you're told your loved one has dementia or a type of dementia, And they're given medication. Is it for Alzheimer's? Is it for front temporal? Is it for vascular? I'm not going to name the four hundred of them. Well, I can't name them because I don't know. But you know what I mean. You have to get the right technology. You really, really do. And like families play, families play an awfully important part in this. Mm -hmm. And you have to talk to the family. Take a case of a man, say, or a woman in their late 80s and they are recently diagnosed with Alzheimer's and the family is told to have a touch of dementia. Should they be told? Depending on their quality of life, maybe not. Every every single circumstance is different. But their family has a right to know the type Mm -hmm. so as they know the signs of what to watch out for, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, the medication to take. And... It's simple things that can make someone's life so much better.
0: Tell me this, uh, what's it like for you? You just seem amazing. You're happy, bright, uh, really engaging. So you are a happy person, I can see that. You're oozing joy. What's it like for you living with this Lewy body dementia?
1: Um, To be honest with you, when I'm doing my advocacy work... It's like Showtime. No, really? You know, you're doing an interview, you're on stage at a conference and you just seem to put your best foot forward. Uh, I've often said, and it's a hard thing to say, but I don't live with it. I have it. It's my wife, Elena who lives with it. Um, She sees it 24-7. And, like, I might say to Elena, just for argument's sake, I'd say, my he- I'm turning up the television louder, you know, um, or my hearing is not as good, or my sight is not as good, or my nightmares are getting worse, or whatever the case may be. And she'll say, yeah, I've copped that. And I'd say to her, how long have you seen that? Oh, okay. And she'd say, yeah, I've noticed with the last six weeks. So something I'll notice today, Oh wow. the person who's caring, for the person with dementia, will have seen the progression far in advance. And that's that's tough to watch. Yeah. Your love will go through that. So that's why I always say, ask me what it's like to have it, but to live with it, yeah. it's my wife.
0: Um, And what what is it like for her? She is, is it safe to, can we use the word carer? I mean, she's your wife, obviously, but you, are you comfortable with that word? Does she...
1: Oh, she is. I'd be lost. I'd be lost without with her. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely lost without her. Um, we're a team. We're a team. Yeah. We're a team. Yeah. Like we leave here today and we go to... We go to the airport. We are going to the European Parliament tomorrow for. The See, you're open. dropping all these these, uh, these these advocacy bombs on me. I better get into this
0: you know, between Helsinki and Brussels and what have you. Well, so, throw in a few more. I want, I want, I, be, I want to ask you about discussions people should have with their family. I also want to make sure I ask you how people should deal with people with dementia because mm. I have personal experience of myself. But com- give me the advocacy work. Tell me about that. How, first of all, you're the chair.
1: I'm. I right. I'm the chair of the. Irish Dementia Working Group for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland who saved my life, just as simple as that, to save my life. And anyone, anyone that has any doubts or think for one second that they may have a problem or their lover may have a problem with dementia, the free phone number is 1-800-341-341. Ring the Helpline, they're volunteers, they're fabulous volunteers. I'm Vice Chair of the European Working Group for Alzheimer Europe, co-founder Louis Louisville, Ireland, which will be launched next year. I am on my third book. Um, I am involved in so much research. Uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Dementia Research Advisory Team and I was on a European call the other day and we are one of the leading countries. In are we? Euro- we are one of the leading countries in Europe. We're way up there. Like that poster that we had in Helsinki at the conference earlier this year, the amount of people that came around and looked at it and it was the simple things that can make the life so easy. But I think people need the stigma that's around it and the fear that's around. Um, it's the fear. Yeah. If you go into a doctor this morning at 11 o'clock and you're given a diagnosis of any type of dementia, when you come out at half past 11, you're still the same person. Nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is that thing that has been needling in your head at night, the problems you've been having, now there's a name to them. Now you can do something about it. And I cannot emphasise enough, get the diagnosis early. Is it empowering? It's unbelievable. I'm I'm a new man, I'm a different man. But you've got to get an early diagnosis and you've got to get a proper diagnosis. And never, ever, ever leave a medical practitioner's office with more questions than answers. Make sure everything you want to know when you go in, you know coming out. Don't come out more confused than when you go in.
0: That's great advice. And actually, bring someone with you if you can't. If if you're overwhelmed. Oh yeah. Yeah, and write it Definitely. down. Definitely. If you're overwhelmed, write it down. That's great advice. So, uh, are you on medication?
1: I am. I was on nineteen different medications. Wow. And I went to see my neurologist. She took one look at me and she said, "Oh my god,". She's such a brilliant uh, neurologist. She I'm oh, not holding the me mercy in Carca. This was about five years ago, and she admitted, admitted me. I was taken to the acute stroke ward, and I was taken off of nineteen. I was sorry. I was on nineteen medications. I was taken off of thirteen of the nineteen medications. So, I'm actually only on two different types of medication for my Lewy bodies. One is the Nizipal, and that's for the hallucinations that I have and the other is the rivetrol. Now, what the rivetrol does in my case is it reduces the severity of the nightmares, even though I take tenadimine at night, but I have this disease what um, seven, eight years, I suppose. So I'm booking the trend there as well. Yeah, <laughs> <It really laughs> are. Um, but you've you got to keep the brain active, Brendan. Right? Uh, you have to. You yeah. have to. You have. I mean... If you taught me 15 years ago that you'd be the author of two books and you have taught once that at home, I would have said, Brendan, will you please see someone you need help? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're, you're amazing and really inspiring. So mm-hmm. early diagnosis is key. Your message is really clear and you are a brilliant um, example of how positive it can be. You say you live semi-independent and you described that you're a mm-hmm. team with your wife. Um discussions to have with your family I mean we've just come through it and I was saying God the social workers are almost like Kofi Annan they're like diplomats in family members you know so what are the important discussions to have with family I suppose diagnosis or you know accepting or admitting or in some way seeking help that's the phrase right and then what are the next stages important things like where do you see yourself? Where is this going? Yeah. You know, when is it time to accept more care? Like, how do you have those conversations with your family? That's,
1: I really went into that in my, in my first book, Louis, Biodimension Survival of Me. And there were difficult conversations to have because I have three wonderful kids and three wonderful stepkids and seven grandchildren. Wow. Now, obviously, the grandkids are too young, but... We discussed everything from when the time comes that I may have to go to a care home. Um, I've donated my body to science and I've told the kids about that. I spoke about fun- uh, my funeral and I want to be cremated. My youngest son, Kevin, couldn't, couldn't handle the fact that I was to be cremated. And I thought, you know, that would be no problem. So, you know, we found ways around them. Poor of a turn there. We got all those discussions out of the way out. Power of
0: attorney—that's key. It's yeah. so important, yeah. isn't it?
1: But just, just that three of our kids are in Australia. Three of our kids are in Ireland, and I suppose the most empowering thing about having the discussion as early as is possible. No, you don't get diagnosed and have it tomorrow. Maybe within twelve months, or it's again, every family is in, is is different. But have the discussions because if something happens to me tomorrow morning, Louis by dementia, you have a tendency to get to get very angry. And if I lash out at Helena in my sleep at night, and if I hit Helena, oh, gosh. right, it's separate beds. If I did it during the day, God forbid, I would absolutely hate myself. But then it's time for me to go to a, a care home facility. And the kids know what Dad wants. Helena knows what her husband wants. Once the conversations are had done and dusted and put to bed, it's over. Kevin, where did you get
0: this insight from? I mean, I, I'd love to bring you home and <laughs> introduce you to my family. Where did you get where did you get this strength from?
1: To be honest with you, a lot of it is, you know, strength, but I have to really, really thank the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland because the meetings that we were having, you're meeting so many people with different types of dementia, but the diff type doesn't matter, and it's from the experience of others. Like I'm chair of the working group, and there's members that are no longer with us. And it's sad for me here this morning to be saying that, but I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, and I have learned from all them people back along. And going forward hopefully people will learn from me. And we're leaving legacies. And it's the same with the with uh, research that we're doing. So, you know, if you can get if you can get all that stuff out of the way and get families involved. Like we're after opening and um, the New daycare Care Centre in Mallow, the Alzheimer's Society opened the New daycare Care Centre in Mallow and um as much as we give out about the government and the opposition and the holiday here in Ireland, we have some fantastic people. Like, I have to, I have to really thank uh, Mary Butler for all she has done for us. And my own local TD, who would be Michael Mining, I live in Kentork, even though I'm a Limerick member, as I said to my <laughs> wife, someone has to move to Cork. But um, Michael rang me twice about the new daycare centre in Mallow that people wanted to avail of it. And he rang me back after and he said that the family wanted to pass on their tanks because the services that were there. But that daycare centre was designed specifically because of what the families wanted, not for what the staff wanted. Not because of what doctors wanted, it was what the families wanted for their loved ones. Try
0: and answer this question for me, and I, I'm asking on behalf of my family as well, would Kevin have any advice about how to deal with a person who has Lewy body and never speaks about it?
1: Someone just asked. It's okay, because everyone is different. Okay. A lot of people will will not want anyone to know. Yeah, true. And there's a fear in it. What I What I kind of... And this is, only, this is only my suggestion, is if they have that one person, a family member or a friend that they would feel safe in opening up to, slowly but surely, and to talk about it, it's OK. It's not your fault. You didn't cause it. It must be very, very scary. I want people to be less afraid of this. Yeah. If I could... If I could, like, there's between six and a half and ten thousand people in Ireland with Louis Bayes at the moment. There's people listening right now that know they have it and they're so afraid. And do you know the biggest problem, Brendan? It's because they look and sound as good as I am and they think people won't believe them. To hell with the people that won't believe them. It's you and your family that matter and your peace of mind. And some families are very private and they won't want to talk about it, and that's okay. And again, I'll come back to if you take Helena and myself, right? I have Louis Barre dementia. I want no one to know about it. And Helena is watching it. Let Helena pick up the phone and let Helena ring the Alzheimer's Society and say, My husband has it. And this is what my life is like. And that's what the helplines are there for. And and use them like, you know, like, we, like we're coming up to Christmas, right? And we can't wait we to see family and friends and the whole of join us. And after two days, you're thinking, oh, my God, will they ever even go home? <laughs> <laughs> and on the website, there is fantastic material on how to how to get through Christmas, you know. And people that are in care homes and care home facilities, you know, don't forget about them. Yeah. You know, call to see them. Uh, and another thing is like when people go into care homes. And we are getting better because even in the last six, seven years, I've seen a paradigm shift since I started with the ESI on the way research is done, literally on everything across the board, because they're putting people like me and my wife, not just me and my wife, but all of us who have dementia, and our carers and our families, front and central, and they're saying, what do ye want? You know, like, we now have our... Equal rights, so much, so much good has happened. But, like, when someone goes into um, a care home facility, okay, their name, address, their age, their date of birth, um, their medication, you don't know a person then. Did they have a pet? Did they like music? Did they like poetry? Did they like reading? Did they like photographs? Where was their famous place? There should be a booklet filled out, so as you know who's sitting in the bed, mm. because music can be such a therapy. Yeah. Four of us went into, um, six of us went into UL on a research project recently, and later in the year you'll you'll hear the song. We went into talk about music therapy, where well, we, we wound up writing a song. Three people with three different dimensions and our and our carers. And we wrote a song. It's a fabulous song. I'm having a beautiful reaction to you
0: here, May. I thank Kevin. He is ama- he's an amazing advocate and ambassador for LBDs, obviously, Lewy Body Dementia. I work with Kevin, and he's a giant in the world of uh, Parkinson's <laughs> and Lewy Body Dementia. I'd also like to congratulate Kevin on his recent Doctor Tony and Kate Parkinson's oh, yes, yeah. and yeah. Kevin's doing great work. Thanks, Kevin, and keep up the great effort. Another tech. Good morning, Brendan. Listening to your wonderful interview with Kevin living with dementia. Totally blown away. He's inspirational. Having travelled the journey with a family member. For the past nine years, it's a tough road. My advice would be, don't sweat the small stuff. Well done, Kevin. God bless you. Wonderful interview. Another people are. Look, thank you so much, Kevin. My husband has LB and is in, in close to the end of my tether. I'm now going to reach out to the Alzheimer's Alzheimer Society. You've changed my life with this interview.
1: Oh my God! You see, wow. And the other thing, Brendan is, and don't ever forget this: people like me need a platform. And I keep saying it. In the last month, we have been at a conference in Helsinki. I've been at a conference in Luxembourg. I've been at one in Brussels. As I said, after today, I'm, my two favourite days of the year are will be tomorrow and Friday when I meet with the in the European Parliament for European Day with people with disabilities. We have more in common than not in common, and as long as people like you will keep giving us a platform and our voices that one person there today that's going to reach out to the helpline which is 0800 341 and guess what i'm not reading it off a book
0: hey. <laughs> it's coming straight <laughs> from my memory <laughs> kevin you really are that you're inspiring the your two books louis body dementia the five and me is out and also i am kevin not louis love the name of that was out in 2020 they're available where can people find those books
1: they're on Amazon and Kindle, but my e- my email address, I can send you, signed copies. Now, this, the, the first one is strictly, to be fair about it, for people who have Louis by dementia Yes, okay. But the second one, it it's makes fun. no difference what kind of disease you have. It's, a lov- it's not just because it is my book. It's a lovely Christmas present. It's just about get up and go and what you can achieve. Brilliant. What's, like, there's so much living wrong? to be done. For Don't let... One half an hour of a day in your life where you get a diagnosis to find you. There's so much more to you. You've so much to give. And the earlier you get the diagnosis, the better off you are. Because if you get it late in life and you were worried about it for 10 years, you're going to say, why didn't I get it 10 years ago? It's like when I went to Australia at the age of 46, people were saying, you're off your head. (laughs) I said, I'd rather be back here Continuous time saying I went and I failed rather than saying, God, why didn't I go? Kevin, you're an inspiration. So that number again,
0: Alzheimer's Society is one eight hundred three four one three four. Kevin, quite you have a you have a flight to catch You're a busy man. Thank you so much for coming in. We need to take a break. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks so much.